the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We began our look at this last week. This week, we'll spend our first couple of days focusing in on it once more. Freed to be slaves. The oxymoron that we find here in Romans chapter 6, coming up next. And welcome. This is Abounding Grace. Our teacher and pastor here at Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, Pastor Gary Wagner, has been exploring the book of Romans together with us. Today, we turn our attention once again to chapter 6 of Romans, verses 15 through 23. Freed to be slaves. What an oxymoron. Let's explore this expression together, shall we? And be encouraged as we understand just what it actually means. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Paul said, as we saw last week, that we are not under the curse of the law. But that doesn't mean we throw the law in the trash basket. Because not being under the law simply means we are not under its curse. And we need to take seriously, as he says in verse 13, that whatever the principle of life we obey... We are a slave to it, whether it is sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Now, we pick up today with verse 17, in which Paul begins by giving a thanksgiving for obedience. He says, but God be thanked. Now, our hearts would be very, very cold indeed if we cannot give and do not give the Lord thanksgiving for rescuing us from the tyranny of sin. Think of what our sin has done. Our rebellion against God corrupted his beautiful world. He formed us lovingly in his own image. Yet, what did we do? By our rebellion, we took a hammer We shattered that image so that all that is left is just scattered fragments here and there. But then what did God do? He didn't leave us in our own misery. He didn't leave us in our slavery. He came to us and determined to save us by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has begun to restore what we corrupted and to heal what we made diseased with our sinfulness. So what do we do? Like Paul, we should break out in thanksgiving to God. But let's apply this more personally. If you are able to resist even one temptation in your life, maybe you used to worry about a lot of things and maybe even curse, at least to yourself. But now you trust God. You used to be bitter and burst out with anger, but now you are patient, at least maybe a little bit, and gentler. God did this. God has freed us from the slavery of sin. 
He did this by His grace. If you would go over to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. This is a verse we ought to keep before us regularly so that we remember to give God thanks for His faithfulness and for His grace in our lives daily. Verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his work, working, which works in me mightily. That is what Paul said. I am preaching, I'm laboring, I'm being diligent. Who is doing this? God is doing this. It is His grace that is laboring in me. It's nothing in me. It's all of Him. So we receive God's grace in vain if we don't drop to our knees and recognize, God, you did this. You've become my God. You've become my Savior. I was a slave to sin, but you have made me free. Oh, I'm not perfect yet, but that's not the point. I'm breathing. I'm alive. And I want to obey you. God is working in me, says the believing man. Says you, if you trust in the Lord Jesus and I rejoice that my God would have mercy upon me, that he would draw me to himself, that he would free me from the miserable tyranny of sin and give me a heart that wants to obey him. But we cannot be thankful like Paul was here if we take any credit, any credit at all to ourselves. Beloved, we must be so humbled by his goodness and recognize there is no good in me no ability to resist sin, no ability to love my husband, to love my wife, to submit to my parents in the Lord, to do my work heartily. It is not in me. He did this. It was the touch of his healing hand that brought me out of the grave. It was his healing voice that has healed me. You know what? Pride kills gratitude. It refuses to give God all the credit for his grace and his goodness in our lives. Now, we may give him some trifling. Hey, Lord, you know, I, that I'm not as bad as I was yesterday. In fact, I'm a little better today. But to others and even to our own hearts, what does it do? It talks about its own. Well, I've overcome this. Or I've really struggled with this. Let me tell you a secret to happiness. The less you associate goodness with yourself. In fact, the less you talk about yourself at all. The happier you will be because God did this. And the more we will then enjoy his goodness to us. Because the more we are thankful the more he pours out upon us his grace and his goodness. In no way do we show ourselves more humbled, more grateful than when we say about anything good in us, Lord, you did it. 
It was your grace. It was your freeing me from sin. It wasn't me. It wasn't my effort. Some say I steeled up that courage, that nerve, that willpower. But God says to those people, I'll see you later. Why? He says, because I resist the proud. I give grace to the lowly. Paul's thankful spirit there is in the opening of verse 17. It's very different from what often passes as Christian piety today. And the reason is not hard to find. If we thank God at all, why do we thank him? Well, I got what I wanted. And thank you, God, for giving me what I wanted. But when we turn God into our personal genie, we choke the spirit of thanksgiving. We just choke it out. So that when we don't get what we want, our hearts grow cold towards God. God's not answering my prayers. Oh, he's really testing me right now. Really? He is testing you because he doesn't give you what you want or think you need. He's really testing you because you didn't get what you wanted. No. God be praised that he doesn't give us what we want. Because it would ruin us in most cases. God be praised because he doesn't answer most of our silly prayers. Because most of them are hardly prayers at all. Because it's all about me. And what I want, what I think I need, not God, may your will be done. Lord, if you want me to go through this hardship, let me go through it. Let me go through a hundred of them if that's what you think I need to go through. Do you want me to go through this deprivation? Do you want me to go through this disease? Do you want me to go through the sufferings of old age? Do you want me to go through dementia? God, be praised. You'll bring me through it. So don't listen to some of those things I've asked of you, God. Don't listen to me demanding what I want. Don't listen to me telling you I'll really be happy if you grant me my heart's desire. No. You know, a true spirit of gratitude is not merely being happy when God gives Gary Wagner what he wants. A true spirit of gratitude comes from clear faith in what Jesus has done for us and continues to do for us. He has freed us from sin's slavery and has made us his obedient servants. Now, granted, there are a million things for which we ought to be thankful for. To God every day. But here is the most important one. Jesus bore the curse of our sins. And he freed us from the dominion of sin. And sin no longer defines me. Its chains no longer bind me. And me, you, the human race that ruined everything by a rebellion against God. We are now able to obey him. We are made willing and able and desirous and joyful in obeying God. You know, if we possess nothing else but this, truly, if we were all robbed of everything we have, and we were all somehow shoved into prison camps, cold and naked, and yet we have this great salvation, it would be enough for us to thank God for all our days. 
Now, granted, we're weak. I know I am. I don't know God like I should. And I'm not holding this up to you because I'm a perfect example for you. But we ought to spend all our days thanking God for his grace as Paul defines it here. Oh, God, delivering us from sin and giving us the grace to obey him. We will see this more clearly one day in eternity, which even then will be too short to praise and thank our God sufficiently. But the right now, let's learn this. God has freed us from sin so that we can joyfully obey him. And we will be holier and happier simply by being more thankful for the gospel of grace. Did you thank God this week for Jesus Christ? Did you thank him for freeing you from the chains of sin? Did you thank him for giving you his Holy Spirit so that you could obey God? Is it really any wonder we walk around this world wide-eyed looking for the next, Oh, I need that. I really want that. I'll be really happy if I have that. But then if we happen to get it, are we really any happier? Because we have set our affection on things that rust and that rust eats away and that moths corrupt. Do you want to be happier? Do you want to be holier? Spend time every day thanking God for what he has done for you in Jesus Christ, just like Paul does here in verse 17. And notice more specifically what he thanks him for, for obedience. And even more specifically, obeying from the heart. You know, this heart obedience, and I'll actually call it gospel obedience, an obedience prompted, empowered by the gospel of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. It is very different from manipulative obedience. It is very different from selective obedience. Remember Balaam, the unbelieving prophet, and Balak, the king of Moab? Balaam said, I'm not going to say a thing God does not want me to say. That was a great statement from Balaam. Sounds so good, but then he tells Balak, hey, if you are up to something that will pad my pocketbook, I'm sure I can help you. In fact, I'll send you some pretty girls your way, and you can corrupt them and lead them astray, and we'll both benefit from it. That is selective obedience, and that is manipulation. And then there is Saul. Again, selective obedience, manipulative. Oh, Samuel, I destroyed everything. Oh, well, I, almost everything like God told me to. I destroyed the worst stuff, but I saved the best stuff so that we can offer it up to God as a sacrifice. Do you remember how Samuel responded? You have not obeyed God, so you will lose the kingdom and the kingship eventually because real obedience is doing what God says from the heart. Real obedience is doing what God says the way he says to do it. From the heart. It's not like Judas. For three and a half years, Judas looked like a saint of saints. Oh, there were little shadows that could be seen, but nothing that aroused the suspicion of the other 11 apostles. Judas pretended with an outward obedience. He even had the power of miracles and of preaching, but 
What was he actually doing? He was nurturing in his bosom secret vices. You see, we can obey God outwardly, Judas. We can obey him outwardly, Saul. We can obey him deceptively, Balaam. But if we are nurturing in our hearts, I'm going to hold on to this sin. I'll obey over here, but not over there. The moment of testing will come because God will not be mocked. So we need to be born again, don't we? Because the only way we can obey God sincerely is if we have a new heart that God himself gives us. This is why the Lord Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. So when we read in scripture like Revelation 21.5 where God says, behold, I make all things new. Our hearts ought to rejoice, beloved, and we should pray, Lord, please make my heart new because without your grace, I am dead in my sins. I'm filled with a loathsome disease. That is where real obedience like thanksgiving comes from, expecting the truth about myself. For in myself, I am all corrupt. I am all corrupt. I am all filth. I am all unrighteousness. God, you must come to me and make me alive. You must come to me and make me new. And he does this by him uniting us to Jesus Christ, his son, so that we receive the benefits of his death and of his resurrection as we have already seen. And we are one with the Lord Jesus Christ and we are given a new heart that delights in obeying him. That is where obedience comes from. Do you know that all obedience to God on this earth is more miraculous than Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead? It is more miraculous for you, young person, to say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and mean it, than it was for Jesus to look out over the stormy sea and say, be quiet, and everything was still. It is more miraculous because it requires not simply the stilling of an inanimate object like the oceans or the raising of an inanimate body, but it requires something deeper, a deeper inner operation where God takes away our heart of stubbornness. Me, it's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about my will. And he subdues that and he praises it with a new heart that's not perfect yet in this life, but it presses on to, I want to obey God. I long to please him in all things. It is miraculous. But we're not going to do this. We're not going to be thankful for the obedience unless we first admit the truth of who we are. That I can't obey him in and of myself. Therefore, I can't be thankful unless he comes to me and heals me of my blindness and my leprous filth and my deadness apart from Jesus. You know, the Lord Jesus is great and is a great and powerful savior exactly for this reason. No other world religion even claims this. You hear on NPR all the time that all religions are basically the same. Yeah, right. No true devotee of any religion will admit that. Fools and liberals will ever say 
will never say anything like that at all. No founder of these audacious religions make any claim like this to make men new from the inside. It is all outward morality or either an escape from reality. But Jesus comes to us and says, listen, I am the firstborn from the dead. I raise dead men. I know you have a dead heart. I make it alive. I know you are leprous. I cleanse. I know you're blind, but I give sight. This is what I do. I have come to proclaim liberty to the captives and to open the prison door and to free you from the shackles of sin. That is what our Lord Jesus Christ comes and does. And when the church forgets this and reduces the gospel to mere humanitarianism or political action or social involvement or family morality, the gospel is just watered down. It is pilfered pilfered away and Jesus is lost behind movements of man's creation. But the movement is from death to life in Christ. The Christ who died for us and lives forevermore, he raises dead men to new life so that in whatever they do, they can, are able to walk in obedience to God. That's the glory of the gospel. And when the church is gripped by this again, not by how to fix your problems, how to make you feel better, how not to offend anyone, how to be inclusive, how to make sure that we cheer on believers and make them feel at home and that we are affable and friendly. All the while, our world goes to hell. That is not the gospel. That is Satan's lies It is deceptive. It is just a niceness pretending to be real Christianity. But real Christianity is, behold, I make all things new. And until you come to me, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. So let me tell you, he will make you new today. If you don't know him, If you are still dead in your trespasses and sins, come to this lovely Savior. He makes all things new. He still heals leper. I know, because I'm a recovering one. He still heals blind men. I know, I'm a recovering one. He still heals those in chains of lust and worry and fear. And the worst slave master of all, me, my will, what I want, what I can control to make sure it happens. He heals. I know I'm recovering. So come to this Christ. He makes all things new. He alone is our glorious Savior. We need to examine ourselves when we hear things like this. Does the spirit of Balaam lurk in my heart? How about of Saul? What about Judas? You know, I'm going to defend God's word. I'm going to defend the reformed faith. I'm going to defend the Sabbath. I'm going to defend the pro-life. I'm going to defend whatever it may be, pure worship. But do you love money? Do you go home and nurture a particular vice, pornography, lust, anger, selfishness, bitterness? Oh, my friends, our hearts are so divided. 
We will see in chapter 7 that Paul felt this, even the godliest heart among us. And by the way, that is how you know your heart is alive, that you feel this tension in your soul. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.